It's Tuesday, December 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, the one and only Abby Mellon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got some earnings. We've got another CEO on the move. We're going to start with uh, start with Stitch Fix, which was expected to post a loss in the first quarter, and instead, the online clothing styling service broke even. And I guess that was good enough because Stitch Fix shares are up about ten percent. Yeah, people are really excited. I think. Um that break-even point is always sort of like a inflection point for companies, and anytime you hit it earlier than expected, it's obviously going to be positive. But there was a lot to be excited about in this quarter, I think. So, what in particular did you see that? Because this is not a company where um, you have a particularly flamboyant CEO coming out making pronouncements uh, about profitability from now until the end of time. No, definitely not. But I think you know when you look at their key metrics. So, active client count was. About 3.4 million, which is up 17% year over year. Uh, net revenue increased 21% year over year in the quarter. So, um, just comparing those two metrics, you know, new clients are continuing to spend at an increasing pace, which is good. Um, you mentioned the break-even point. They also have gained traction with a couple of different initiatives. So the first was that they've now started selling clothing on the website and through the mobile app, independent of what comes in the fix. So um, when they first came public, this was sort of a um, unmentionable thing. I think people asked about it, but they were not really interested. It didn't want to talk about it, and we've seen them sort of move directionally um, this way with adding extras and things like that. But now they have a, what they call "shop your looks" option. So this was rolled out to about a third of U.S. women's clients, and they plan to roll it out to the rest of U.S. women by the end of fiscal year 2020. So um, it's still a curated selection of about 30 to 40 items, but they. Stitch Fix believes that this allows them to capture um, another part of wallet share that they haven't been able to get at. So, um, the example that they gave was that shoes, handbags, and accessories are only 10% of a typical fix revenue, but about 20% of this shop your looks. So, that was positive. Um, they've also introduced a shop your shop new colors option for all adult US. So, this is things that clients have previously bought um, that they can buy in new colors, new prints, new sizes, etc. So a lot of positive traction in terms of initiatives going forward. I have to say the um, the seventeen percent growth year over year is pretty impressive when you consider that as Stitch Fix continues to grow, like any business, you know, once you're growing off a bigger customer base, then obviously that type of growth becomes more meaningful. What do you think of the stock itself? Because this is just in the in this calendar year and in the time that Stitch Fix has been public, this has been a stock that has visited multiple spots. Multiple <laughs> spots. Um, uh, certainly, if you got in early on Stitch Fix, you're you're up nicely, and at various points, depending on when you bought it, um, you know you may also be up. But right. do, do you look at it right now as a reasonably priced stock? Fair question. I think when they first came public, it was sort of um, right as Blue Apron was exploding. There was a lot of pessimism about generally box subscription companies. Um, I think the market has always had sort of a hard time classifying Stitch Fix. So um, they think of themselves as a technology company operating within the retail space, and the market has always priced them or originally thought of them as a as a retail company, and they got sort of slammed for that. I would say right as they came public. Um, and then there was sort of this reckoning, and they became this technology company. They have a very prominent CEO, Katrina Lake. Um, I think you know they got 
maybe ahead of themselves in a valuation perspective. So um, the numbers had run up. There was a lot of expectations. I think um, estimating the total addressable market, how many people are actually going to use this, has always been an issue for this company. I think analysts just really haven't pinned down exactly who they're targeting here. Um, but again, the 17% year over year, you're right, on a bigger base, that's, that's amazing. So um, it's not necessarily something that I can say for sure that I have a great or more accurate projection than anyone else on, but I remain interested. I think at this price, I think it's a stock to watch for sure. It's interesting because, you know, we talk from time to time about Wall Street analysts, and certainly we have analysts here in the building. You being one of them, um, but you touched on something that I think is is one of those things that I think is easy for everyday investors to dismiss, but it actually ends up being slightly more important. Um, than it's given credit for, and that is, what is the story a business is trying to tell about itself? And you're absolutely right that Stitch Fix, you know, unfortunately for them, they sort of got caught up uh, in the timing of Blue Apron. Um, and you mentioned the word subscription, which is a word they have always bristled Hated. against. They have, uh, we, uh, I think, one time. Uh, an article was published on Fool.com where the subheadline included the word subscription, and we immediately got an email from one of their PR people that was like, "We're not a subscription service." And so, right. but it, but to your point, it's they're they're trying to do something different, and all credit to them for doing that. And one of the challenges that comes with that is it makes it a little bit harder to explain who you are and what you're actually doing and as you point out, what the addressable market is. Right. I mean, it's from that perspective, it's interesting, too, because when they first came public, people were like, this is never going to work. Um, people don't want these quote-unquote subscription, even though they buck that trend. But you know, people don't want these boxes. And I think the tide has almost shifted to the entire opposite end of the spectrum, which is that um, people do want this, and there's so many competitors, and why will it be you? And so, you know, especially with Amazon's entrance into this market, I think you've just seen them sort of really struggle with like pretty much every competitive force out there. So, um, I think it's an interesting company to follow. I think Katrina Lake is a really inspiring leader, and I think this story remains to be in an early inning. Shares of Upwork are down 5% this morning on the news that CEO Stefan Kostriel is leaving. Uh, Upwork, for those unfamiliar, is a global freelancing platform. Uh, we use Upwork here at The Motley Fool. Um, a little surprising, I guess, that the stock is down on his departure. I say that not necessarily because this is a stock that's been on fire over the last couple right. of years, because it hasn't been, but this kind of seems a little out of the blue. Um, the chief marketing officer and pro chief marketing and product officer is going to be the new CEO. Castrell uh, will stay on as an advisor. Um, not a lot of details on this, so I, it, part of me wonders if Castrell is leaving of his own accord or if uh, he got a nudge. Definitely a fair question to ask. I mean, he's only 44 years old, so um, that means there could very well be something else in the pipeline. I think the market never likes things that are, are unexpected. Departures are obviously one of them, especially at such a growth stage company. You're really looking for a leader who's going to transform and continue to guide that business through. So the sort of lurch is never, um, it's never going to be received positively. With that being said, Hayden Brown, who is their current CMO and product officer, is stepping in, and. I think another thing to mention is he's actually stepping down at the end of 2020 or at the end of 2019. So she's starting January 1st, 2020, which is 
really quick for um, the news to just now be hitting the, the markets. But um, I think something positively is that she's actually been at Upwork since March 2014, and she was originally the senior director of Marketplace at its inception. So she's been there. Um, she's not a founder, but she's been there from a very early stage at this company. Um, she also owns about $3.4 million in stock, which is actually more than Stephen Stefan Casriel owns. He owns about $2.5 million of stock. So, um, it's not a huge investment, but it's it's not something to, you know, count for nothing. Um, I think it's an interesting story. I, I don't think we've heard the end of it. Yeah, it definitely seems like one of those stories where we're going to get more details over the next couple of months. And... You know, definitely an opportunity for the new CEO starting the year fresh. Although I do agree with you, it is a pretty quick turnaround, particularly you know coming at this time of the year with the holidays. But yeah, you know, if if Upwork can put up a couple of good quarters at the beginning of 2020, then she's off to the races. Definitely. I mean, I guess from my perspective, not that I'm internal in their company, but just in terms of like how titles normally work, this isn't the first person that I would expect to sort of assume this role, and she was. Supposedly voted in there unanimously and very excitedly, and um, so it, it's definitely an interesting choice and one that probably um, will be scrutinized for a while. Uh, Chewy sells pet products online, and Chewy's third quarter loss was bigger than Wall Street was expecting, but revenue looked pretty good, and they also raised guidance on top of it. So shares of Chewy are up a little bit. Definitely. I mean, this is another one, also sort of. Um, Wrapped up in a lot of the negative pessimism that kind of got to Stitch Fix as well, with it being um, doesn't necessarily have to be a subscription service, but about 70% of their customers are on an auto ship schedule. Um, their net sales were up 40% year over year. Their gross margin was up about 410 basis points, which is massive progress for a year. Um, and a lot of that is due from investments in private brands, which um, you know their assortment of private brands is up 80% year over year, and sales from private brands are up 60% year over year. So more than 1.5 times the overall growth for this company. And then they've also started building out investments into Chewy Pharmacy, which I think is a great sort of pillar for them for growth. So um, a lot, a lot of positive here, but that loss was wider than expected. So the pet pharmacy is interesting, although it does, and there's certainly potential there, it does go in line with sort of the approach that the company takes in terms of the way it deals with customers. Uh, customer service appears to be a big focus for Chewy. And you know, when the CEO comes out on CNBC, as he did yesterday, and says, essentially, we're not really worried about Amazon taking customers, I, you know, in some ways, I look at that and think, well, what else? You know, what are you going to do? Go on CNBC and say we're terrified. Terrified, about yeah. Um, but but by the same token, uh, customer service is an advantage that they can offer. I mean, say what you want about Amazon, and they're great with delivery. But I've, I don't know what I would do if I felt like it was really important me important for me to get someone from Amazon on the phone and right. talk me through something. Right. Um, in the same way that Chewy is able to offer. Customer support 24 7. Um, it's an advantage. I'm just not sure if it's enough of an advantage. A, a big enough advantage. Although it's a, it's a $10 billion company, which is a little bit bigger than I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, I think the more, the less people have to think about Chewy as a user, the better it is, right? So the Absolutely. more convenient it is, those auto ships, um, that's really sort of their. Um, 
advantage. And so adding the pharmacy in there just makes it one less thing you have to think about your dog. It's just going to be at your door. And um, so from that perspective, I think it is the right move. I agree with you that I'm not sure that it is enough of an advantage. The pharmacy thing is definitely going to be worth watching because, I mean, just just in the way that the pharmacy business is so crucial to a global health business like CVS Health. Right. I mean, not that Chewy can get to be that size, but the margins on that, if they do it correctly, that could actually really boost their numbers. Right. I think that's a good caveat, though, if they can do it correctly, right? Like, this is not a simple business. It's going to be um, significantly different than what they've proven to be good at so far. So, it'll be one to watch. Abby Mallon, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bad, bad.